Disclaimer. What you're about to hear represents the thoughts and opinions of the participants at the moment of recording. We reserve the right to change our minds. Welcome to the Welcome Podcast. My name is Luis. I'm a mathematician and cryptographer. Over the years, I've had the chance to meet a large number of very interesting people. One of them is Jason LeGros. Jason has a PhD in cryptography from the University of Waterloo and is currently a postdoc at the University of Auckland in New Zealand. His work centers around cryptanalysis and secure implementations of post-quantum cryptosystems. This episode was recorded on October 14th. I hope you enjoy it. So it's been... It's been a long time since I talked to you last, or since I saw you on camera. <laughs> Have you been? <laughs> uh, I've been okay, actually. Uh, you know, I, I started that new job, so I'm try- dealing with that, trying to work remotely. <laughs> trying to work remotely? How's that going? Yeah, it's okay. I mean, we, we have these meetings every so often, and I'm the only one not in the room, so it feels a little, uh, a little alienating, but uh, I'm getting work done, I guess, which is nice. <laughs> Yeah. So do you get some indications of what you have to do or something? Uh, I, I think really all I've, all, all I've been told is that I need to do research and it has to be related to post-quantum crypto. So that's what I've been trying to do with myself. <laughs> do research and, and make it related to post-quantum crypto and have fun with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, actually, I, I was told that one of the main goals of my, uh, of my position um, because of the grant that it comes from is to foster a research relationship between New Zealand and Australia. And I don't live in either of those countries, so it's uh, it's not easy. So you're, you're like an ambassador of New Zealand and Australia in Canada. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a sense, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's kind of funny. Yeah, it's interesting. So what have you been doing for research? Uh, I actually just, I just submitted a paper yesterday. So I was um, working on a new method for fault attack resistant seaside. And it's uh, it's a little bit faster than the old implementation, which is nice. Fault attack resistant seaside. Uh, what is a fault attack? Ah, so <laughs> I, at least <laughs> the way the way that it's been modeled in the literature before is that you know when you're when you're doing the computations involved in seaside, there are some uh, some isogeny computations that get performed, and you want the protocol to be constant time, so. Uh, you know, you don't want the, the computation time to depend on the key. So what that means is that regardless of the key, you're always going to compute the same number of isogenies of each degree. And so some of those are going to be real, and some of them are going to be dummy. And the idea is that dummy isogenies don't influence the output key. So the way we model these fault attacks is, is very simple. It's just that you can disrupt an isogeny computation. And what that all that means is that you, we model it as, you know, uh, instead of outputting the correct curve, you output garbage. And so the idea of a fault attack is that you can disrupt isogenies, and then if you disrupt a dummy isogeny, the output key should still be correct. Whereas if you if you disrupt a real isogeny, the output key should be should be wrong. And uh, you can you know if if you're if you're working in a static ephemeral setting where one person's key is fixed, you can use uh-huh. you know repeatedly attack to try and learn how many real isogenies there are, and that that'll give you the key. So that's what we're modeling it as. Oh, okay. In this constant time implementations, so you're you're doing kind of dummy work, right? You're doing work mm-hmm. that you're not using. Uh, what is roughly the extra work that you're doing in percentage? It in practice, it ends up being about a hundred percent extra work, uh, averaged over all possible keys. Uh huh. But in worst case, it's the same. Yeah, in the worst case, you're actually not doing, or in the best case, you're actually not doing any more work. And in the worst case, you're doing like infinitely more work because in the in the best case for the key, you don't need to do any work at all because the output curve oh, is the same I as the see. input curve. 
and you're you're working under Stephen Galbraith. Yeah, I'm still working with Stephen Galbraith. Yeah. Who else is over there? I don't know if there's anybody like I don't know, super super recognizable that I, that I work with at all. Um, <laughs> nothing comes to mind, at least. Yeah. So, are you still in touch with people from uh, Waterloo with David? Uh, in a li- oh yeah, in a limited way. I mean, I've been talking with David and Douglas a little bit, and uh, other students like uh, Leanne, you know, my old office mate, and Madison, my other old office mate. Um, I Pavel, I'm still talking to Pavel. He's still at U Waterloo. So, <laughs> are you still living in there? Yeah, yeah. I moved in uh, into Pavel's house. Um, I guess at the end of August, I'm still there. Yeah. <laughs> so I was hoping at the time that it would be like it seemed very convenient because it would just be a temporary thing. But now, who knows when I'm gonna when I'm gonna leave? <laughs> what do you feel about like being that your work is on the other side of the world and uh, you're here almost by yourself? Do you feel is there like enough communication, or do you feel like a, a little bit left alone? Well, I'm sure you you understand this as well. We uh, we both were supervised by David, and uh, he's a little bit hands off. So we're we're used to sort of the uh, yeah, supervised nature of, of research. But um, I think having these, I, I, I think I, I do feel that way a lot of the time. And even even for simpler things, like just trying to, uh, you know, get payroll things done or other HR things, being so far away and being in a different time zone, a very different time zone makes it makes it hard to, to interact with people in a in a convenient and like meaningful way. Um, we have, like I said, we have these weekly meetings, but um, because New Zealand is doing so well with the uh, with the virus, they're not locked down anymore. So everyone's in the same room. And then I'm on a screen uh, halfway around the world. It, um, it is a, it's certainly isolating. Yeah, yeah. And it also makes it difficult to collaborate because, you know, it's hard to meet in real time because, again, they're, uh, I think, 16 hours ahead right now, maybe 17 hours ahead. Um, uh-huh. And so it's just hard to get a convenient meeting time. And even just trying to t- trying to talk math over over Zoom or whatever, it just doesn't um, it barely works. No, it is very complicated. Yeah, it, it is very complicated to talking about math. And uh, yeah, sometimes I, in in my current work, uh, I try to talk about math, and I have my equations on the on the paper, and I kind of just want to show them <laughs> on the camera. It's complicated. I think it's, it's part of the reason why I'm trying to do this sort of conversations is so that I can practice my communication skills <laughs> <laughs> well I'm glad to help it's uh I think it's a good idea yeah, yeah hopefully hopefully it turns out to be a good idea and not a waste of time <laughs> yeah, and also to keep in touch with people uh that I don't see much anymore right like you yeah I mean I I miss being able to uh to see Leanne and Madison uh, everyone else from around the department I mean I would walk down the hall and run into 10 people I knew and now uh I'm lucky if I speak to 10 people a month I think <laughs> really yeah well I, I just, mean uh, during lockdown it's, it's complicated to talk to anybody well that's exactly the thing I um I had to go back to the university to clean out my office um, a few weeks ago and it was like oh it was it was such an experience I was like oh I get to see all my coworkers again at least the ones who were in on the same day as me it was really nice <laughs> I really miss it who, who do you see in in, in the department who was around uh, so the building was locked down, of course. So uh, Carol had to let us all in. So Carol was there, and actually Chris came in on the same uh, day to uh, to clean out his office. So I got the secret. Oh, Chris Linardi. Oh. Yeah, Chris Linardi. Exactly, exactly. So that was nice. Um, who else? There were a few other students around. I can't recall off the top of my head. And then as I was leaving, I, I had to speak to Carol again, and um, Melissa just happened to be on uh, on a Zoom call, so I got to say goodbye to her as well. It was very convenient. Oh, that's nice. So so they are working already in campus. I think they have the option to go in, but they're usually not there. Um, oh. Carol, uh, Carol was in that day because um, they were distributing keys and fobs and stuff to new students, and then also uh, people who need uh, yeah. stuff for teaching. She was in for that as well. Okay, because uh, I also saw Carol uh, when I went to empty my office, but I didn't see uh, anybody yeah. else. Oh, uh, really? Just nobody they, else around? Yeah, that's too bad. There was no, there was nobody. Uh, well, except for Nargis, Nargis was there, but uh, other than that, there was nobody. Uh, so that that was kind of a sad experience. Is that you get to leave the place for the last time and there's nobody there? Yeah. Oh, I agree completely. I um, the time before that when I went, um, it was like right before the lockdown, but everybody had stopped going to campus at all. It was completely eerie. Like um, they had even the the bridge to MC was locked with a padlock and chain. It was so. Uh, 
it was so unsettling. And then I, so I took a back entrance in and just the building was completely empty. All the lights were off. It was really not a good feeling really? at all. I was glad. I was glad I got to see wow. more people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. I, I went just twice, once to pick up my stuff and another time uh, just to walk around with uh, Joy. Right. And yeah, I mean, it's, it, it looks, it looks kind of sad. Oh, definitely. I, I would like to be there like uh, as an undergrad that has to, you know, take courses online and just stay at home. There's n no friends around. I think uh, what they've done, at least with, with some of the low-level classes, you can you have the option to take them on campus, which I think is really important. It's uh, I think I would go out of my mind trying to take like a full semester of undergrad classes all online. That sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Joy is doing it right now. Oh, of course, because she's taking like high-level classes, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and we're living in Toronto, right? So there's no chance to take any any course on campus. Uh, but at the same time, I think for her, it's been kind of a good experience because uh, she gets to manage her time. It's kind of learned to, to do some time management. And oh. it, it seems to me, or probably also to her, that there's a lot of time wasting that happens when you're at school. <laughs> Oh, and here, sure. just that time wasting becomes turns into just house cleaning or take care of the dog or something like that. It's uh, a little bit more, quote unquote, productive. Uh, but yeah, it's been it's been a, a different experience. Yeah, I I've only taken a couple of of online classes ever, and I, I took them when I was very relaxed and I had lots of time to devote them to them. I, I can't imagine taking you know four or five classes, especially math classes. They're so you get so much value out of just seeing somebody, an expert, talk to you, right? It's, uh, yeah. It just sounds really difficult. It seems to me that you get a lot of value by talking to other people about math. It's, yes, exactly. Uh, you, there's a lot of a lot of processing of ideas that happen in when you're talking. I, I was actually remembering that those days that uh, you and I used to talk about just like random things of, in, in math and uh, usually nothing comes out, but there's a lot of understanding of uh, of the ideas after that. Like it's, it's probably we don't have a, a new result, but we have a, a much better understanding from various different perspectives of, of the underlying math. Oh, definitely. There's something that probably on working online is, is is much harder to do. I don't see, I don't say it's impossible. Definitely, it's definitely not impossible, but it's much more complicated. Oh, I I agree completely. I mean, even even just in my uh, in my research, a lot of my you know, a lot of my work, the best ideas have just come from talking somebody something out with somebody, even a non-expert. I can explain the basics of the problem and then they approach it from a novel perspective because they haven't been mired in it for nearly as long as I have. And they, they say something and I'm like, wow, that's a really good idea. Let's see if let's see if that works. It's, uh, it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 Ho hopefully at some point we can go we can go back. I mean, no, no, no. I would like to go back to the same like nine to five or, you know, period right. of everyday, everyday interaction that is mandatory. But at least having the option to have interaction with some expert, that would be really nice. Or oh, probably yeah. just try to learn about, uh, try to learn how to communicate mathematics in, <laughs> over, a, over a Zoom call. What you need, what you need is a, a room with a giant whiteboard. I think that goes a long way to, uh, to communicating math. Uh, and unfortunately, most homes don't have that. <laughs> a giant whiteboard in the background? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm, yeah, probably. Or a tablet. Oh, yeah. R remember, uh, so one one of my colleagues in, in Isad, Elena got a path or something to write on. That seemed much, that she was having a much better time than us. Uh, sometimes she's like kind of, you know, just jump into the whiteboard on the, on the screen and just start writing something. Right, right, right. It, it reminds me of when I uh, when I was teaching when I was teaching in the winter. Obviously, I guess the last four weeks of, of class had to go online, so I would record these videos just on my iPad of me writing things down and explaining them. And um, they didn't get to see my face, but they got to see me working things out. Um, and not, you know, it wasn't just a static image; it was me really working through the problem step by step. And the students really thought that was that was valuable. It sounds like much the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you get to interact a lot with students and on these online classes? I really didn't, honestly. I um, 
I, I very I hadn't been using Piazza in that course because I'm not fond of it. Uh, but when it when everything went online, that was the first thing I scrambled to do was to get some sort of method for the students to talk to me and to each other. Um, yeah. But other than that, it was uh, I, I barely interacted with the students and, and email, I guess. But um, I didn't really have the resources to, to set up even like online office hours because the place I was living at the time, oh, the Internet connection was terrible. Like I wouldn't be able to have a call like this even uh so it was, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't feasible at all. So it's too bad. Um, I think the students really missed out on that last, that last bit of the semester, but was that in your previous house? Yeah, that was the old house. Yeah. Another recent move to this one. Yeah. Talking about Piazza, I have a lot of complaints about Piazza. <laughs> <laughs> Rightly so. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why do students or certain students, I don't want to say all of them, but certain students tend to think that Piazza is like 24-7 office hours? <laughs> well, I've got to say, I think I'm one of the people who, uh, I don't think Piazza is 24-7 office hours, but I definitely contribute to the students' perception of that because the way that my setup, at least when I worked uh, at the university, when I, when I was able to work in my office, uh, I would get notifications every time a student posted anything on Piazza. And usually I was so willing to break from whatever work I was doing that I would just answer them immediately. So I think I'm contributing to this problem. <laughs> oh, well, uh, yeah, I, I think it is it's okay if you, you know, as the, prof uh, what, I mean, the instructor, uh, take your time to respond to questions, probably just to like make your to-do list more reduced. Mm -hmm. But when the expectation is that you have to respond within 10 minutes it becomes a little bit more exhausting it's like um yeah I, I, there's other things that you have to do especially when you're a, a ta when you're a ta you have a limited time i yes of course the students and and i agree with you i think students do often have this unreasonable expectation and i don't know if did they get it out of high school is that something that uh were, were teachers maybe just i don't think so well i don't know i have no idea i have no idea oh uh, yeah <laughs> Certainly wasn't how it was when I was in high school, but yeah, no, there's definitely nothing, nothing like that in in my high school at least. Well, <laughs> anyway, that that was my little random piazza. Oh yeah, no, I think if you asked, you know, ten TAs, I think you'd get nine who agree with you. The students are very, um, uh, what's the word? They they're demanding. <laughs> but, but certain profs seem to like kind of enjoy the interaction. I, f I feel that, for example, uh, Alfred used to enjoy. Oh, he seems to enjoy the the interaction on Piazza that's with students. True, that's true. And actually, Alfred even uh, Alfred yeah. told me that he keeps um, he keeps odd hours and is happy to respond to them at like odd hours of the day. Um, he would have assignments that were due at uh, at midnight. Yeah, and he yeah. Said, um, oh, I always make sure I stay up until after the assignment deadline, so in case people are having trouble with crowd work. And I was like, that's <laughs> that's very committed. Yeah, that's kind of a little bit. I don't know. Uh, I mean, <laughs> thanks, Alfred, for, for doing all those things for the students, uh, but I won't do it. <laughs> I mean, he, he, this problem is more easily solved by having the assignments due at a different time. I don't, I don't know why he was so committed to midnight, but that's another, <laughs> that's another issue. Yeah. Why all, always the, the, the deadlines like on midnight on a Sunday sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it's, they, they seem to be kind of designed so that you spend your weekend mm. working. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. I, th I think some students really like it because it means they don't need to worry so much during the week. But uh, I think most students would rather have a little bit of time off at least. Yeah, yeah. A little, at least your weekend, if, if, if you have some time to do something else. And it's not you're, you spend the entire weekend just working on your assignments. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you tend to, realistically, most of the time you, we tend to leave the work, the bulk of the work, uh, closer to the yeah. deadline, and I would think that most students leave most of the work one or two days before the. Oh deadline. yeah, that is uh, that is definitely my experience. I would have um, I, when I did two two seven, the the assignments would be due every two weeks, and I would have four office hours uh, available, and the first three would have almost no people attending, and then the last one would be uh, just packed with students. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Consistent, very consistently, yeah. <laughs> I think a couple of times I had office hours the day right after the deadline, ah. and I won't have any students at all. Yeah, that's a great choice. If you know when the assignments are going to be due, you can say, oh, I'll just pick right after that, and then nobody will ever bother me. <laughs> yeah, no no one shows up, and I, I don't know. It's, it seems to be... I won't say disappointing, 
because it's you, you kind of expect yeah. it. I, I don't think I would like to talk or to think about uh, that particular topic right after the uh, the submission right. of the assignment. But well, this is probably a good tactic if some TA over there wants to avoid having TA uh, yeah, office yeah. hours. <laughs> so, what else have you been up to besides all this remote work? Besides remote work, well, I mean, with with the lockdown, I haven't been able to get up to much of anything. Unfortunately, I uh, I was even I was hoping to get home to visit my parents over the summer, but uh, not allowed into the province, so I'm trapped here in Ontario. That's that's good. You can go in and self isolate, right? No, no. So the four Atlantic provinces, you're not allowed to enter at all from Ontario. Uh, well, that's not true, but you need to have a good reason. Which province? Uh, so New Brunswick, Prince Edward Island, Nova Scotia, and Newfoundland and Labrador. Um, you're oh, not really? allowed in without a reason, yeah. Because here we have like a, a couple of new friends that we just made around the apartment, and oh. uh, they are living to, I think it's New Brunswick. Really? But I'm not sure. Huh. Tomorrow. Oh, Really? Oh well, maybe I. This is what the, this is what the the uh, the last news that I heard. But I might be out of date. I, I, if that's the case, maybe I'll have to go visit my parents. Finally, they've been <laughs> anxious for me to get home. <laughs> but but apparently, you have to self isolate. You do. You do have to self isolate for two weeks. That's right. Uh huh. Yeah, but they they seem to be. It seems to be in their plans, which kind of sucks because uh, I, I mean, it's just our new friends. We're just making friends, and they're leaving already. Leaving immediately, yeah, that no, sucks. <laughs> leaving immediately, but anyway, so check that out. Probably, probably you can go and and escape from Waterloo. That would be nice. I've been here for a long time. <laughs> Sometimes you need a a little bit of a change. Yeah, yeah. I've been trying to, you know, at least get a change of my, of immediate scenery by going for long walks every day and trying to go somewhere different um, from time to time. It's been it's been nice. I've gotten to explore parts of the city that I've never really seen before. Like which ones? Uh, actually, the, the other day, this well, this is a part of the city I have seen before, but from a different perspective. I just walked the the length of the uh, what do you call them, the light rail track from um, from Central Station down to Fairview Park Mall. I just walked the whole length. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I just got to. I was you know exploring these little neighborhoods and everything. It was it was fun, uh, and it's decent exercise, I guess. <laughs> Wait, that was like a two-hour walk. Something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, you should get a you should get a dog. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, but you you have access to two dogs, so you don't need. Yeah, I have dog access. I don't need to commit to my own. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's best. <laughs> you have someone else to pay for the vaccines. Yeah, I have all of the benefit with none of the responsibility. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> someone to pay for the vaccines and um, take care of of a potty training. Mm, oh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, how is the dog going? Uh, you, how, how long have you had him? How old is he? All these questions. Right now, he is three months and three weeks. Oh, that's very yeah, young. <laughs> it's almost four months. Yeah, it's super young. So we've had it for two months already. Oh, wow, you got him quite young too. Yeah, he's lived half his life with us. <laughs> that's, kind of, that's kind of impressive. Like... It, when we just got him, I was thinking, wow, at some point, there's a point in his life where he had no yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yesterday didn't exist for him. Right. <laughs> yeah, which is, I don't know, it, it, it seems to me very, uh, very interesting. And because like every day for him is a significant percentage of his life. And right, right, he changes right. a lot too. Uh yeah, there's a lot of responsibility, <laughs> giving him a good life at least. Yeah, you're the only the only people he's going to remember um, a couple of years down the line. Well, even now maybe I don't know how long their their memory is at this age, but probably not very long. Yeah, probably probably he doesn't remember anybody from uh, you know how his real parents look like or <laughs> the little girl he grew up with. Right. Yeah, probably doesn't remember anything at all. Like probably if, if we go there, he will be like, what the hell is this? Where, where is this <laughs> are place? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was also thinking like it. dogs seem to be, I don't know if it's the only species, but probably one of the only ones who usually grow up in a family that consists of other species. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
and that I mean he can't communicate at all. Like when I went to China with uh, Joy, and I wasn't be I wasn't able to communicate with um, with with her parents. I was feeling very frustrated. Right. So I can probably empathize a little bit with him. Like he he probably feels super frustrated when he tries to say something, and I don't understand anything. <laughs> right. And, oh yeah, yeah. And he depends like in every possible way from us. I never really thought about it, but that's completely true. Yeah, I, I mean, they 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 can try to indicate what they're what they're thinking, but I'm sure they have some concept in their mind, and it's like, okay, I can only get you know the barest, you know, weakest description of this thing out to the people who who need to do everything for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, probably they just kind of try their best to you know somehow indicate, and they learn how to indicate like in a better way. That's true. Like, Equus has learned how to say when he wants to go party or when he's hungry and when he's thirsty we kind of know when he's thirsty and you also learn how to you know understand him right uh so it is it's like learning a a new uh, language for everybody right (laughs) how is uh how is training going or is he too young for that oh no no he's been training very well yeah oh that's great yeah, he know he knows a few a few party tricks already. Uh, like <laughs> how to give to do a high five or ah. roll around on command. He pees on command now. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you take him out and say, "Okay, now you have to pee." Except when he has nothing on his bladder, so he's sure, like, sure. Okay, I can't, man. He's just leave me alone. <laughs> but yeah, he, he he's pretty good. He learns really quick. He, I think he lives a lot faster than me. <laughs> Their minds are so pliable at that age. I, I assume they're like people in that way. They can, oh. they can learn things very quickly when they're young. <laughs> that is probably, you're probably right. You're, you're probably right. Uh, have you tried to, you know, interact with Pavel's dogs? Uh, do you like to interact with Pavel's dogs? <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually I, I do. They're, um, they're really, they're really well-behaved dogs for the most part. Um, I guess... Yeah, the the issue is that they they're kind of excitable, and he's he's so intent on training them well that it's uh, sometimes they're hard to interact with because even you know you don't want them to jump on people. So if they they jump on yeah. they jump on me, I, I ignore them, and then they sit down again, and then they jump on me again, and it's like a whole process. It's, yeah, um, it's 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 work to interact with them, but overall they're 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 fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we have the same problem with Echo because we take him out. And so sometimes people say like, "Oh, can I pet your dog?" And he goes and jumps on them. So I feel <laughs> kind of awkward to say, uh, "Please uh, don't pet him until he is sitting." And, and like, okay, but people who already have dogs, they know they know that they have to pre- ask them to sit, and and you know, and after that, as a reward, pet him. That's the thing. When I when Pavel first got his his first dog, I had no idea. Like my some people in my family had dogs, but they weren't well trained dogs. So you would just play with them or do whatever. But he was intent on training them well, which I think is good. Um, and I had no idea yeah. how to how to interact with a dog in a way that was conducive to training them properly. So I was really confused. <laughs> yeah, having a dog here in Canada or nowadays is is very different than having a dog back in Mexico, where you just <laughs> right. have the dog, it just just appears the dog, and then training or any sort of education for not barking or uh peeing on the on the right spot on command that that's not a thing it's uh yeah exactly exactly and that's how it was that this is how it was for me as well though um growing up i mean my my family are mostly um i don't know mostly right where many of them live in very rural places and I think there, the there's not this dog etiquette in the same way that there is in in cities. That's how it it seems. That's the the divide that I've seen. I don't know if that's accurate, but that's just my my experience. <laughs> yeah, I think it's probably true. Actually, probably Echo's parents are just not very well educated because he, I mean, he grew in, he was born in a farm, and oh, his wow. parents are just like just there, right? right. <laughs> and they can jump from people, and and I mean, just. <laughs> What else would you do? <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. A farm dog, and they're probably really good at doing something else. But uh, I mean, in terms of having these city behaviors that are expected from any dog around here, 
is uh is probably unreasonable to expect from them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I they had like a a Saint Bernard and oh. we ended up with like all covered in drool everywhere. <laughs> it's just like just we wanted to interact with the, with the other dogs, but the, the Saint Bernard was just around, just covering everybody in drool. <laughs> like, oh no, can you please leave? <laughs> so, how many people live in your house? Uh, right now, we're five. So you, you're not sure of, of social interaction. No, well, I don't know. We all keep very different hours. Uh, it's uh, you know, Pavel and I are sort of normal workday hours people but the rest of them seem to be more uh, night owls so I, I don't really run into them that much it kind of works very oh, well yeah you know instead of, we're not yeah. just sharing space we're also sort of sort of it's almost a timeshare of the the common areas of the house it works out very well well yeah that's that's very convenient when when your roommates work in a completely different time zone yeah yeah exactly yeah you you have full access to the kitchen and no one is bothering you Exactly, exactly. I feel though, I don't know, we had we had that meeting, um, you know, everyone in our research group who graduated, and I felt, uh, I felt a little um, like a arrested development maybe is the right phrase where everyone was like, Oh, I just moved in with my partner. Oh, my partner just had a baby. Oh, I just moved into a new apartment in a new city. And I was like, I moved two blocks away to a house with even more people than when I was in grad school. <laughs> it was a little. Uh, how do you feel with about that? Because I, I uh, yeah, I think I empathize with you. But tell me how you feel. <laughs> Honestly, I. Uh, I what do you, I, what do you I, mean by arrested development? I've never seen arrested development. So. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I mean it in like the. I, I think it's like a, a phrase in. Uh, well, yeah, what I mean by it is that you know, people have progressed um, sort of in their in their life and maybe their career as well. And I feel like I'm sort of left behind, maybe is the right uh, the right phrase. So, um, yeah, I'm still yeah, living that grad school yeah. life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you're still fairly young, no? You're like 28, oh, yeah, 29. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't it doesn't feel bad. It was just uh, at the time I sort of noted the stark contrast between everyone else who was saying, yeah. like, oh, yeah, like I've made this natural pro like I progressed in my my career and I've progressed in my life sort of simultaneously. And then for me, it's like, well, I've progressed in my career in a sort of meaningless way because I can't uh, do my job sort of in the way that I expected to because I'm stuck, I'm stuck in Canada. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've sort of regressed in terms of, um, in terms of my... Your social situation? Yeah, my social situation. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, so sometimes the feelings, your, your feelings are more motivated not by the actual... Uh, circumstances but by what everybody around you is doing well well that's exactly the thing this situation is 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 exactly right for me right now because i have to leave sort of um at the i may have to leave at the drop of a hat because uh part of the part of my contract is that i'm only allowed to work remotely until the border reopens and then i have to immediately apply for work visa and i have to immediately move when i get it so moving somewhere oh really what what will be the grace period or it's just like in in three days you have to be here no matter what well it's like you know as soon as as soon as the um the work visa program is is open again i'm expected to apply basically immediately like as soon as i can get my application done yeah and then yeah. Uh, i'm expected to move as soon as is feasible i mean it's not uh, i don't think it's spelled out in uh okay you know you have three days or whatever but it's like i can't say okay i'll come in six months because that, that just wouldn't be acceptable <laughs> oh i see how do you feel about that? Is is are you looking forward to that happening? Or well, I, at least I'll have, um, you know, it won't be so sudden that I I learn on Monday that I have to move on Friday because the visa application process takes takes some time. So I don't feel too worried about yeah. it. At least I know I'll have time to get the closure that I need. I guess with everything. Um, and it, it, yeah. to be honest, I'm looking forward to moving. So it's not um, it's not so yeah. It, it, that that will help with the feeling of being regressing on your social <laughs> situation yeah exactly. but at the same time exactly. it, it, and it sounds very exciting you know moving countries and starting over from in a new place that's always pretty cool well yeah i've never really done it before i mean i moved here for for grad school but that was um i don't know it's within the same country and everything's more or less the same i mean how did you feel when you moved here for grad school even that that it's sort of the same thing right that's uh, that was a huge thing it was it was pretty much like a complete starting over your right. life. It's, now now you speak English from now on. <laughs> right, of course. I didn't even think about that part. Yeah. 
it's very clear the moment where your past life ends and your new life begins. Right. And so probably for you it would be the same. Although, do you think you you stay there or you feel like more as a temporary thing? Well, it's it's a hard call. I mean, in terms of working at the university, my contract is like fixed term. So it ends on a particular day in a, in a few years. So I, I can't just keep doing this. Um, yeah. I think, I, I mean, I, I've been there before. I, I was there for a couple of months and uh, I really liked it. But it's uh, it's hard to get it's hard to become a permanent resident. Um, harder than in than in Canada, I think. Uh, not I've never had to do it in Canada, obviously, but probably everywhere is harder than in Canada. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it easy? Yeah, see, I, I I don't know. I guess it's easy. Yeah, I, it's, uh... In Canada, it's not that it's very easy, but I think it's much easier than in many other places or I most see. other places. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I mean, even the um, the, like the the work visa application. Even though you know I'm I'm going there as a skilled a skilled visa holder who makes above like whatever income threshold for um, like they have these income thresholds that determine whether in theory you might be allowed to stay permanently. Um, but I, I'm not even allowed to apply for the right kind of visa right now. So I would have to find another job and apply for a different visa once I'm there. And then I'd have to wait a really long time. It's um, it seems like a bit of a hassle. So I don't know if uh, I think I would be happy to stay there, but I don't know if it's feasible. <laughs> so is there like you have another path in mind or I, I really don't, honestly. My, uh, I, I don't have anything. Uh, I don't ha really have anything in mind. Yeah, I, uh, I'm willing to do anything. I guess. <laughs> I, I think I, I want to. I want to do things while I'm not tied down to a place or or a group of people or something. You know. Right. M more like exploring around or. Yeah, yeah. Maybe and maybe that sounds. Uh, maybe that sounds like antisocial of me, but uh, I think you know. No, no, later no. In life. <laughs> I think. I think it is. It is a fair feeling to want to explore around and, mm. like, as long as you're not compromised or tied to a certain place or a certain relationship, is more than fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I wouldn't ruin you know personal relationships just to get the chance to explore more. Yeah. But while I've got this freedom, I, I guess I should use. It's a currency. Yeah. Apparently, there's a good research group in Singapore on crypto, and I think they also do post-quantum crypto stuff. Yeah, actually, one of, um, I don't know if this is this is the same group, but one of uh, Stephen Galbraith's old students who was there while I was visiting, actually, he um, he's in Singapore now, working um, working in, in crypto, and I think still post-quantum crypto. So, And he's in Singapore, I guess that's the point of my, my anecdote. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Yan Boti? There must be things to do. Yes, Yan Boti, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably you can explore some something like that, right? Like uh, Singapore or I don't know the Netherlands or whatever the places they do. Uh, they're good in post-quantum crypto. I know Taiwan. Um, there's a, there's a university in Taiwan that has a group that I was uh, I was going to apply for a postdoc there, but then you know this this position sort of oh. fell into my lap. So. <laughs> oh okay, I think David also mentioned uh, that this there was somebody looking for a postdoc in Taiwan. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I should remember his name. It's impolite to, to forget some something so important, but I've, I've forgotten now. <laughs> we'll cut it off. <laughs> <laughs> Just record it and then we paste it on, on whatever you Yeah, you'll paste it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I think that that's a, that's a great plan. Hopefully we, we can find or, or you can find a, a good position anywhere you want. That'll, that'll be yeah that'll be great i think in crypto is, is kind of i won't say easy but it's not as hard as other parts of academia to find a position oh i agree completely i mean if you're trying to get a job in in you know the the hardest most abstract kind of category theory uh, i think you've oh, got good new luck. options yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> you better you better graduate from harvard or princeton or something like that exactly exactly yeah if, if you're not like the top of the top in that particular area then yeah good luck good luck finding anything <laughs> useful whereas is, is in crypto not only can you uh i mean many schools have have crypto people but uh they're spread across different departments so you have these options you're like oh well maybe i can look in a computer science department or even yeah. like a computer engineering it's um they, they hire math people um, or people like me who's, whose background is in math they, they they hire those kinds of people so uh yeah it feels okay <laughs> Yeah, and there's a lot of research outside of, of academia now that I see. Uh, there's a lot of gr groups in industry that are trying to do research and catch up with, with what the academics are doing, right? That's true. Because that's the true. academics have this kind of very abstract, very um, 
overcomplicated language that is used for <laughs> to describe certain things, which is okay. It makes it easier for someone in academia to read. But when you when you show it to like a, a someone that is coming from a CS background or something, and then you just show you a paper in cryptography, and then there's a lot of math there. It's, it's very hard to understand. Like mm-hmm. you will not expect uh, that someone knows what an isogeny is and and goes and puts it in a computer. Like it, it takes it takes a while, so that makes it easier for us to kind of find a job in in industry. That's true. You sort of um, you get this opportunity to almost um, I don't know if I want to say act like a translator, but you 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 take these these papers and you convey the the relevant bits to someone who's going to to implement them. Or whatever. I think I was exactly going to say act as a translator. Uh, oh, it's probably great. a little. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably a little bit more than that because you're probably kind of, of trying to understand what the needs of the company are and then bring the the relevant work in academia to that the particular need. However, it does feel sometimes that is trying to read the paper and and put it into into this new language that it's not was not made so that's a source of income for us <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and like you said being able to um oh sorry being able to to pick out the relevant bits um you know find the the parts of, of recent papers that are that are relevant to your company is also a skill that uh, is important and that's that's the sort of thing that hopefully we we have at this point <laughs> yeah or with at least it's it's probably something that we can we are able to develop now that you, you know yeah. we know we know the academic part. Uh, yes, exactly. Because if you don't know the academic oh. part, then you have no hope to develop it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is something I've heard. Uh, I've heard a lot, especially when when I was an undergrad. I took a, a mathematical modeling class, and you know, the sort of thesis of the class was that you guys understand math, and now we're going to try applying it in many different situations. And the thing we were told many times was that you know. It's it's easy to teach, or it's it's frequently easier to teach a mathematician a little bit of like subject matter content than it is to teach a subject matter expert enough math to do the modeling. Yeah. So you know you can teach me a little tiny bit of like um, epidemiology knowledge or something, and uh-huh. we can use that to do some sort of infectious disease modeling. So this is uh, something that's um, something that we covered in that class, for instance. But it would be hard to teach, you know three years of calculus and then two semesters of differential equations to somebody in biology just to get them up to speed on that. Uh. Yeah. And probably it's because to do the modeling, you really don't need to know all of the biology, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. But you sort of do need to know all the math. Yeah, to do the modeling. Because if, if, we, need, if we needed to know all of the biology, then yeah, it would take two or three years. Oh, of course, it would be just as impossible as the other way around. Yeah, course, just course. impossible. It's not. It's not, it's not that biology is, is is easy or anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not like mathematicians are superhumans. It's just that to, for many applications, you don't need to know all of the details. Exactly. Exactly. Well, then, then we have a hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I'm banking on is getting some kind of. If I if I don't want to stay in academia, getting some kind of job of translator i guess we'll call it <laughs> translator i think we, you also have the chance to do research because it, once you understand like a particular area very well you spend some time reading into it and some ideas start popping out mm. oh of course and if your company allows it then you can start you know developing something something new and interesting yeah i think most companies would um i, I would have to imagine that they would they would be happy with that i mean if you're not only you know providing them with with information from the literature, but even giving them new information that might give them some kind of competitive edge, I think they would. Oh yeah, that well. that, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. You give them a competitive edge, and uh, I mean that's then you will justify your your, your salary. <laughs> yeah, of course. I've never uh, I've never worked outside of academia. Really, uh, you you worked at Isera, of course. Was it? Yeah. What were you? How, how did you feel you were translating, or were you developing there? That's something I've always been curious about. <laughs> No, no. I think in 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 Isera, first I, I I was more of like an intern kind of thing, right? If oh, I'm sure. like an internship, uh, yeah. Most of my the bulk of my work was developing the this new thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see. Something that we have we had problems is that 
to relate it to their needs. Mm. It was not particularly easy to relate it. But other than that, it was pretty much just doing like a bleeding edge research and becoming oh, into into a new thing. So uh, that that was that was actually a very good experience. I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I really I really enjoyed my coworkers over there and enjoyed the kind of the feeling of being useful, like doing some very abstract math <laughs> and at the same time they're like, Well, I mean, uh, they are kind of paying me for that, so it must be useful for them. Sometimes it was very hard to actually convince myself that it was useful. And many times I was right. like, ah, this is probably certainly completely useless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I definitely, I think everybody who, who works in math or who did a PhD in math certainly has felt the same way more than once. Yeah, yeah, more, many, 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 many times. Several times a day. <laughs> yeah. but, but at the same time, I think it's worth it. Do 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 yeah, you ever? I mean, I, uh-huh. Oh, I was just gonna say. I mean, I had a I had a very good time in, in doing my PhD for the most part. Um, not every day was you know a, an exciting progress in research, but um, uh, averaged out, uh, it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I think average uh, averaged out is pretty good. Uh, I was gonna ask you. Do you do you ever feel like during the PhD like quitting? Oh man, yes, yes many times <laughs> many times yeah i think i think we talked about it right at some point yeah perhaps we did yeah it sounds like something we talked about yeah yeah nah. how do you cope with those feelings honestly i um I, badly i guess is not the answer badly. you're looking for but probably badly is probably the correct answer but i mean i uh i saw I guess at the end of the day, I um, what really happened was that for a long time, I wasn't seeking out help um, when that's what I needed. And so I coped badly and just, you know, sort of tried to push through and I didn't make a lot of progress. But then a day came when I just I sat down and I said, like, I want to finish my PhD. I like being in grad school most of the time, but I don't feel like I'm I'm making the kind of progress I want. And the, the solution was actually just to go, you know, ask for help. So I, I went to David and I was like, I was very blunt. I was like, honestly, I have no idea what I'm doing sometimes. And like, I need you to, to point me in the right direction. And um, oh, wow. that's how I ended up okay. working on. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I ever told you that, but uh, that's no, how I ended no, up working I on. No, I didn't know about that. <laughs> that's how I ended up working on every project um, that went into my PhD thesis, with the exception of the one that I that I worked on with you. <laughs> oh, well, that that's that's very that's very interesting. It kind of reminds me of when I was in 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 undergrad. Uh, mm. I also I also felt a little bit lost. Like, oh, I I like a lot of these to- math topics, but I have no I like a strong preference of anything. I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> and right. you know, you're an undergrad in math, so it's it's kind of hard to to visualize the future, right? At that yeah. point, and then. I just went to one of my professors that uh, she was, she was almost like our mom. Uh, <laughs> and then I went to her and said, you know, I feel like this. And then she asked me, do you want to get married or something? And I was like, no. <laughs> so then what's the hurry? Like, you're, you're okay. Just take your courses. And then she suggested me to take a course on coding theory. Right. And yeah, and I think that's that's how I ended up doing kind of being interested in in, in cryptography because oh. uh so I I ended up working in my uh undergrad thesis with my mm. coding theory prof and right. uh and you know just learning some of the algebra related to it and then you know exploring around like oh what does it have to do with cryptography? Oh, look at this. It sounds very sounds very interesting. So yeah, so this crisis kind of they they really modify your your life sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I sort of had a, a similar experience myself actually. I um, when I was an undergrad, I, I I went in for honors pure math, and I said, okay, I'm going to do the purest kind of pure math because I think that's you know the the most interesting thing to do. I, uh-huh. I think I think to myself as like a, a 19 year old or whatever. And then I finally get the chance to do research uh, over a summer after third year, I guess. And I just, I found myself 
you know, up against wall after wall after wall. And I was like, it, it was this project about something, something very intensely algebraic. So it was lots of algebra that I didn't really understand. And uh, <laughs> it just, at the end of the summer, I felt so demoralized. Um, but I, I, luckily I had taken a, a cryptography class um, a little while earlier and I went to the instructor and I was like, you know, I did this research project over the summer. I need to do uh, an, an undergraduate thesis um, in my fourth year now, but like, I don't know if, if math is even for me anymore. And he was like, well, what did you try and do? And I said, well, I did this algebra thing and I've taken a bunch of algebra classes. And then, you know, other than algebra and like hardcore analysis stuff, I've only taken um, his class, which was cryptography. Um, and of course the, the low level classes. And he was like, uh -huh. well, why don't you try working with me on something a little bit more applied? Um, and that's what I ended up doing. Um, a crypto-ish related project, and it was really interesting, and I really enjoyed it. Um, so that, um, yeah, it's, it's a very similar story, I think. Like I had this thing yeah. where I was like, "Oh God, yeah. am I cut out for math? I can't do I can't do algebra, or well, not that I can't do algebra, but I can't do bleeding edge research in algebra. Um, I might as well quit." And it, it, there's more to math than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's there's. I think in order to kind of being good at doing research in 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 any kind of field. You need to spend a long time thinking about a particular yes. thing. That's true. I think I, the, the people I know that don't didn't need that over a year to become good at it, that I don't know, well, uh, that I suspect they didn't need that much time. I can count them with my with one hand. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Most of us, just, they, we need like a long time thinking about one particular uh, detail on one paper very profoundly for hours at the time yeah. and, and then 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 you get some kind of vision into what was the author thinking and what kind of things <laughs> what kind of things was he struggling with yeah some something i don't i don't like about well it's kind of a deviation but i kind of reminded of while talking <laughs> about this as something i don't really like about the culture academic culture right now is why do we need to make papers hard to read i was just going to say when 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 i write a paper the the, the you know conferences they have these you know 20 or 24 or 30 page limits depending on which conference usually and um i'm always way 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 over because i've tried to actually explain things Yeah, yeah, yeah. The solution, of course, is to just cut out explanation because that's the only thing that I have left to cut out. I can't cut content, so I have to cut explanation. And it's really, I think it's really terrible uh, just for anybody who's trying to actually understand what you're doing. Yeah, I, yeah. I really don't like it. But <laughs> it's, it, it seems to be even more like the culture. Uh, I've, I've mm. heard from two people already that explaining something, like kind of, you know, spelling it out, what the path is and what the difficulties are, makes you look dumb as an author. That's and I feel that I, that's I, I feel that that's immoral. Yeah, I agree completely. I agree completely. Like if you're I mean you can have a very slick, concise proof, uh, but if it if it obfuscates um, details or if there was a lot of thought that went into each step, like I think you I don't know if obligated is what I want to say, but I think you should be obligated to to give some explanation of, of what you were thinking when you did that. Yeah, yeah. Even if it makes you look dumb and then it's like, oh, I tried this thing and it didn't work. And from the outside, when you see it, it's like, of course it didn't work. But you see it because it is already there, right? When you're in the path, you won't see it because it's an... Uh, It's an MP complete problem. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it really, it's funny. It really is the difference between P and NP sort of in a yeah. more abstract sense. It's like recognizing when something is is blank is, is much easier than figuring out that something is blank. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think it is worth, you know, kind of uh, explain, the, the, explain the difficulties. First of all, to because you you, you have the chance to Uh, articulate your thoughts. You have the chance to explore the concepts surrounding the proof. And the proof is not even... At, I have the, the, the idea that mathematical proofs are not just very fixed, but you can always kind of, uh, you know, move them a little bit. They have, all, all of the hypotheses have some leeway that you can modify and obtain a, a different thing, right? Like... Uh, uh, It's very, it's very, I find it very uh, 
hard to to oh no how I want to say I haven't found many examples of mathematical statements that require a particular hypothesis to be very very fixed right uh, all, like almost every hypothesis can just be either generalized or uh, moved in a little bit or it, at just almost every, every, almost every time you can move your hypothesis a little bit and still obtain something that resembles the original result. Yes, yes. And I think when when you just exp you just say like, okay, this is the result, boom, that's it. Anybody else that wants to do research on your topic needs to go and explore everything that you have already done. So first of all, that's a waste of time. <laughs> Second, yes. uh, you as an author don't have the chance to explain what you did, which is, uh, it's, it was also a waste of your time because you spent all this time trying to exploring the topic around just to obtain this particular uh, grain of truth that you put on a paper and everything just goes to trash. I don't yeah. know. It's <laughs> no, I, I agree completely. I mean, when, when I, when I write a paper, I, uh, I, you know, most of the prose is me explaining, uh, at a high level, my thought process, not necessarily. And, and then, you know, a proof follows, but it's not, and maybe the proof is terse, but the, the surrounding text is like sort of explaining what I was thinking and how I got there. Uh -huh. And I mean, frequently this will include a part that says, okay, Here's some things that you might be tempted to try because they look like they will work better, but I tried those too, and here's why they don't work. Uh, yeah. I think that's really important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember that at some point we were trying to to prove that uh, you can do FHE with only groups, or more like you. Yes, can... yes, exactly. What, what was it? What was the actual proposition? You can emulate uh, a system of a complete system of, of uh, gates using just a group with only group operations. Yeah. 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 I, I remember this very, very well. I remember it happening. I don't remember the specifics, but yeah, the, the, the proof we ended up with was something like, well, you can't use a group operation to instantiate NAN. And so yeah. you're immediately ruined. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I think that's, that, that's kind of interesting because uh, if some, at some point, someone, somewhere else, you know, wants to do FHE just using groups, then you, you realize that you can't. Yes. But in probably if if we don't spell out our results somewhere, uh, that's a hint. We should spell out our results somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I could remember how it went, I would write it down, but I've long since forgotten. <laughs> it, 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 we should be able to recover it. We should be able to recover it. <laughs> it, it I remember that it was not that hard. It was kind of right, harder right, to right. come up with the statement of the thing that we wanted to prove. Oh, sure. <laughs> Which we're struggling right now to come up with the statement of the thing that we proved. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember exactly. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, if someone else wants to do some FHE thing using groups and then you, you see the statement uh, that we have, you realize that that's the wrong path. There's a big brick wall. Yeah. You should do something else. Well, it, it's funny, actually, in my in my thesis, I've got, uh, I think I was talking to you about this, I've got a whole appendix, maybe 30 pages long or so, that's just, here's a thing that I thought would work, and uh, nothing good comes if you try this. So, um, yeah, I, I included something like that in, in my thesis, because I think it was important, because I think the idea is a nice, is a, is a very nice one, and a very natural one, but I don't want someone else to spend all the time that I spent only to get nothing out at the end. <laughs> Even just for you, like, because you did that work right yeah. and yeah, you consider exactly. it valuable so just for yourself it's like i want to put it somewhere out exactly right because uh you spend all this time working on something and in and, and even if it's a negative result it's something valuable at, at the end of the day exactly exactly it's a it's a mathematical truth yeah, this is why i think c fail c fail is such a cool thing right that's uh yeah we should have more c fails things like yeah yeah i agree there shouldn't be just one every year <laughs> They wanted to do one every two years, I think, as far as I remember. Oh, it's even, wow. Oh, that's awful. So, yeah, we should have like uh, one every two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I can I can give a talk every two weeks about something that I failed to do. <laughs> Probably most, m most of us have more failures than successes. 
And yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. is for sure. Nah, well, Jason, thank you so much for. Uh, oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> accepting coming here, that was really fun. Yeah, I had a great time. I had a great time. It was not an interview. You, you were all scared that I was going to uh, <laughs> analyze your knowledge just... on theoretical physics or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing, the secret is that I don't feel like I know anything. So people ask me questions, and I'm like. If, if I answer this, I'll probably get it wrong. And then everyone on the internet who's listening to me will think I'm an idiot. So that's what I'm trying to avoid. <laughs> no, but I think the the point of, of, of all this thing is that we can say something and then we can get it wrong. And that's okay. For example, probably the recent statement that we said that papers must include all the narrative, probably we have it wrong. Probably there's actually a good reason for it. And, oh, I'm sure lots of people would think we're crazy for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and if if there is some uh, good reason, I would like to hear it so I can learn something yeah. and then uh, stop putting useless narratives on my papers. <laughs> 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 that probably make them easier, uh, make it easier for for the papers to be accepted. Sure. That's probably we get rejected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's say that's what it is. <laughs> let's say that's what it is. Well, Jason, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Okay. See you later. Bye.